You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Our scripture reading is taken from Genesis 1, verse 1 to chapter 2, verse 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and He separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness He called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, Let there be an expanse or a dome between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the expanse or the sky, and He separated the water under the expanse from the water above it. And it was so. God called the expanse sky, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. And God said, Let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land, and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years, And let them be lights in the expanse of the sky to give light to the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, Let the water teem with living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea, and every living and moving thing with which the water teems according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the waters and the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, living livestock or livestock creatures that move along the ground and wild animals each according to its kind. And it was so. 
God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air, and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day God had finished the work he had been doing, so on the seventh day he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. text for this afternoon is the word of our God as the church has summarized that for us in Lord's Day 10. What do you understand by the providence of God? God's providence is His almighty and ever-present power, whereby as with His hand He still upholds heaven and earth and all creatures, and so governs them that leaf and blade, rain and drought, fruitful and barren years, food and drink, health and sickness, riches and poverty, indeed all things come to us not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. What does it benefit us to know that God created all things and still upholds them by his providence? We can be patient in adversity, thankful in prosperity, and with a view to the future, we can have a firm confidence in our faithful God and Father that no creature shall separate us from his love, for all creatures are so completely in his hand that without his will they cannot so much as move. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, do you ever worry about the future of this world? When I turn on the news at 10 and listen to Peter Mansbridge or someone filling in for him, it's just incredible the amount of violence and decadence 
If you don't believe in the total depravity of human beings, then just go watch the news. You'll see it. And one manifestation of that total depravity is the violence. You ever worry that the violence will get so bad this world is going to go up in flames or so? Especially with all those rogue states acquiring nuclear technology. What about the future of the planet? It's an in thing to talk about global warming. There must be some of that going on. You ever wonder that the planet will get so hot that you just can't live here anymore? That life becomes impossible. And what about the future of the church? You know, there's a lot of Muslims moving into Europe and Asia. And you should never be against Muslims. That's not the point. But they take their religion with them. Do you ever wonder whether the Islamic religion is going to overtake Christianity and that the church might be in for a time of severe persecution? What about your own personal life? Your worries? Your concerns? Your health? Some tests. Or you have to go to the doctor for some tests. You have to wait. Wait. You worry what the outcome of those tests will be. And then if you're diagnosed with cancer, you, you undergo some chemo treatments or some radiation and you, you wonder, am I going to make it? Am I going to be a survivor of cancer? Or not? Am I going to die like so many have died before me? You worry about your kids. Grandkids. You know, Genesis 1 addresses all of those concerns. Because the main point of Genesis 1 is to instill a deep sense of confidence in our God. That He is the King of the kingdom. And that He controls our destiny and the destiny of all the people in this world. And so there is really no need to worry. Because human beings are not in control. God is in control. That's what Moses, the primary author of Genesis, wants those first readers encamped on the plains of Moab to realize as they're about to enter into the promised land and wage war with the Canaanites in that land. Your God 
is greater than the Canaanites. Your God is in control. Your God has promised to give you the land. Your God will give you the land. And Moses, also inspired by the Holy Spirit, wants to instill a similar confidence in in some of the other readers of Genesis, also those sitting in the Babylonian exile. And this afternoon I want to focus especially on that group of readers. Because they had a huge problem. There they were sitting in exile. Jerusalem had been destroyed, trampled upon by the Babylonians, the pagans, and whose God was now in control? Whose God called the shots? The gods of the Babylonians? Or Yahweh, the Lord, the Creator of heaven and earth? What about their future? There they are sitting by Babylon streams, singing their songs, complaining to God. The future is so unknown. Yes, God promised that a remnant would return, but was God strong enough, effective enough to fulfill that promise? The Babylonians said that your destiny was fixed at the position of the sun, moon, and stars at the moment of your birth. Was that true? Or was God really free and sovereign? What about the mess of their lives? The disorder. You know, someone who hits rock bottom, he looks at his life and he says... How in the world am I going to put order back into the disorder of my life? Then the Israelites had hit rock bottom. There they are in Babylon. Is order ever going to return in the disorder of our lives? And Moses, in writing Genesis 1... He addresses those concerns. And he says, don't worry. God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. He's the creator of the whole universe. The sun is not a god. The moon isn't a god. The stars are not gods. God created all of those. Your God is God. He created the whole universe, the whole earth, as His kingdom for you to live in, for you to work in, for you to enjoy the pleasures of this world, to enjoy the God behind all of those pleasures. But as I said this morning, you know, these historical narratives in the Bible, they're, they're, they're written with the most beautiful, 
They're, they're beautiful pieces of art. Everything is kind of counterbalanced. There's a beautiful system in there. And right from the outset, just like in a novel, there's, there's a conflict. We saw that this morning with, with the promise of becoming a father of many nations. Sarah was barren. And right from the outset, we have a conflict. The earth is formless and empty. Nice Hebrew words, tohu wabohu. Kind of feel the formlessness and the emptiness in those words. Tohu wabohu. How in the world is there ever a possibility of life if everything is kind of formless and empty? And there was darkness over the face of the deep. You need light in order to have life. All there was in the beginning was a sort of a deep, dark, empty, gooey, watery mass. And God is in control. And God is a creator. And you're going to live in this kingdom. How in the world is that going to happen? Well, there's a ray of hope. Immediately, we read about the Spirit of God hovering over the face of the deep. Wow! Somehow, the conflict is going to be resolved. The Spirit of God is not part of creation. He's hovering over creation, over the face of the deep. Spirit of God. That's the breath of God. God just has to breathe and something happens. And God does. He breathes and He speaks with His breath. And with His powerful word, He takes on the tohu and the wabohu. First of all, he takes on the deadly darkness with that powerful word. He says, let there be light. And with that powerful word, he pushes the darkness away and he relegates the darkness to the night and the light to the day. It doesn't matter that there wasn't a sun. God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. Those first three days, the world got His light straight from God. Because God is light. And then God takes on the deadly and destructive waters with His Word. Let there be a dome, a sky... Because with all of that water, people can't breathe. And so God, with His Word, He pushes some of the waters up and the other waters stay below. And there's this bubble in between. And people can breathe again or breathe in the first place. There's possibility for life. That is if you want to live in the water. 
because there wasn't any land. So God takes on the waters under the sky with His powerful Word and and He allows dry land to appear. And all sorts of vegetation springs up out of that land. And part of the conflict is already resolved. Formlessness is taken care of. First all was dark in an empty ocean, a formless ocean. And now all of a sudden, you don't just have darkness, you have day and night. You have a, a sky, a dome, and you have seas and dry lands and vegetation. There's a sort of a an infrastructure in place for human beings and animals to live. And then God takes care of that emptiness. Day four. With His powerful Word, He creates the sun, the moon, and the stars. And these things, they they fill the skies, as it were. All those beautiful stars just twinkling away like that. And the moon and the sun. And you look at the skies and they're still somewhat empty. And God, with His powerful Word, He creates birds. And they just flutter all over in the sky. And with His powerful Word... He creates fish and all sorts of other animals that live in the seas. Finally, on day six, He creates man and other animals. And so the conflict is resolved. God is the Creator. Form has been given to God's formless creation. And the emptiness of God's creation is beginning to be filled. And now the question is, how did those Israelites in the Babylonian exile, how did they hear this Genesis narrative? What did they hear when they heard God saying, let there be and there was? God just had to say, and it was there. It reminded them of Nebuchadnezzar. It reminded them of their rulers. All these rulers had to do was speak the word, and things happened. If they said, you die, you die. And if you're given grace, you're given grace. You lived or died by the powerful word of the king or the emperor. And these Israelites sitting there in Babylon, they hear this, God speaking, and they think, wow, Nebuchadnezzar is not in control. God is in control. When he speaks, things happen. This is what the church confesses in Lord's Day 10. 
the almighty and ever-present power of God that is active in creation. What did the Israelites in Babylon hear about the fourth day? That God created the light bearers. They're not even given any names. That's right, they're not even given any names. Just the light bearers. And the Babylonians thought that these light bearers were gods. And Moses tells about the creation of these light bearers on day four, sandwiched in between what happened on day three, where the land appeared out of the water, and day five, where birds started to flutter in the skies and fish started to swim in the seas. Moses is saying to his people, these light bearers, sun, moon, and stars, are just as much part of creation as the land is. And the birds are. And the fish. They're not divine at all. They are created by God. And your destiny is not fixed and determined by the position of the sun, moon, and stars at the moment of your birth. But your destiny is fixed by me. The creator of the sun, moon, and stars. Echoes of Lord's Day 10. And what did these people hear when they read or heard about day 7? And God rested. And everything that God had made was not just good, but very good. Form had been given to the formlessness and the emptiness had been filled. God was finished with His work of creation. Now God ascended His throne, as it were, and He rested from all of His work and from His throne He dispenses His benefits to His kingdom. Much like later the Lord Jesus Christ, when He had achieved the salvation for His church, He ascends into heaven and He sits at the right hand of His heavenly Father and He dispenses the benefits of His salvation to His church. That's what God does. Creation is God's kingdom. There is a union of heaven and earth at the beginning of time. God will provide. He's sitting on His throne as the sovereign divine monarch freely and graciously dispensing His benefits. You're worried about the future? Have no fear. God is resting on His throne and dispensing what you need. And what did those Israelites hear in Babylon? I said already, these narratives are carefully, carefully structured. Very carefully. 
And you read in the creation account ten times, God said. Ten times. And there, now you have the Israelites sitting in Babylon. Ten times, God said. Wait a minute. Mount Sinai. The ten words of the covenant. God said, commandment one. God said, commandment number two. Just as with God's powerful word, He put order in His creation, so with His powerful word, God puts order and form and light in the darkness of our lives, morally speaking, so to speak, redemptively speaking. The Israelites would hear, yes, God is in control. We need not worry. But there is a way. There is a way to enjoy the blessings of God that God dispenses from His throne. And that way is to listen. To listen to the ten words of the covenant of grace. And to allow the the breath, the Spirit of God to use these ten words of the covenant of grace to continue to mold and shape our lives. To prevent our lives from disintegrating and falling apart and going back into the tohu wabohu, chaos, disorder, disharmony. Yes, all things work together for good. Isn't that what we say? It's only half the truth. All things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose, who walk with Him, who talk with Him, who walk in the way. And what did those Israelites hear when they read about God creating humankind in His image. Let go. Wait a minute. In every province of Babylon, there's an image of the king. And the king wanted to say to the people in all those provinces far removed from the capital city, just remember whose domain you are. Just remember that I'm in control and you have to worship me. And now they hear, wow, we are created in the image of God. We are the king's domain. We don't belong to Nebuchadnezzar. We belong to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. We belong to the Creator of the heavens and the earth. We submit ourselves to Him. And in submitting ourselves to Him, we represent the good order of God's kingdom. You see, in Babylon, where everybody submitted 
to Nebuchadnezzar and following kings and later on. That was their way of representing the good order of that kingdom. Now they hear and they say, no. There's another order. There's another kingdom. There's God's kingdom. And we embody, we represent the good order of that kingdom by remembering that we are God's domain and not Nebuchadnezzar's domain. I ask, what did Israel hear when it heard the creation account? This is what the Israelites heard. And now the question is, what do you hear? What do, what do I hear? What do we hear when we hear, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and everything was tohu wabohu. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the deep. Ten times, God said. And then, God rested from all of His work of creating. I asked you, are you worried about the future of the world? Are you ever worried about the future of this planet? Who's in control? What fixes your destiny? Your horoscope? Or something else? And Genesis 1 tells us God is in control. God is sovereign. He's the God of Lord's Day 10. We don't have to worry because He's got the whole world in His hands. He's got you and me, brother, in His hands. He's got the tiny little baby in His hands. The whole world in His hands. And the future of the church Islam taking over a time of persecution? That's possible. That can happen. Behind all of Genesis 1, you can see that. God used the Babylonians as the rod of His judgment. And Habakkuk when God told him that, that he was going to use the Babylonians, Habakkuk, he cries out, but Lord, these people are more evil than all the sinners in your church. And you're going to use them? And God said, yeah, yeah, I'm going to use them. I'll use those wicked, evil Babylonians as the rod of my judgment. But don't worry. Their turn will come too. The Persians will come in. And I'll use them as the rod of my judgment against the Babylonians. Because I'm king. I'm sovereign. 
And what happened then? Can happen again. With more and more Muslims immigrating, violence of the Islam religion, whether it's on a fringe or more dominant, God could use Islam today as a scourge for His church. But God is a king who can never be without subjects. And whereas God used the Babylonians as the rod of his judgment for his church then, a remnant was allowed to return. And so, yes, it can happen. But God's church will never disappear. There always will be a remnant. I have kept for myself 7,000 he says to Elijah. He thought he was the only one left. And God said, I've got 7,000 left who haven't bowed the knee to the gods of this world. Your personal life, worries about your health, your children, other anxieties that you have, God so beautifully says to you and to me this afternoon, you don't have to worry. I'm the God of Genesis 1. I'm the sovereign king of my kingdom. I speak and it happens. I'm your God and Father in the Lord Jesus Christ. I love you just as much as I love my one and only Son. And no one can ever separate the Son from the Father. And if no one can ever separate or drive a wedge between the Son and the Father, no one can ever separate you from my love in Christ Jesus your Lord. Any doubt you have? You say that this is too good to be true? And the Father says, look at my Son. Look at Jesus. This whole business about me speaking and it comes into existence, you think that's too good to be true? Look at Jesus. And when you see Jesus, you see me. And Jesus standing on the boat, all he does is says to the waves, Peace be still. And the waves, just like that. And Jesus says, that's what the Father is like. And you worry about all your, all the sins that you have committed. And is there forgiveness with the Father? You listen to Jesus. And Jesus says, My son, your sins are forgiven. That's what the Father is like. As Jesus spoke and it happened, that's what the Father is like. 
He speaks. And it happens. And so Jesus says to you and to me this afternoon, come to me. If you're weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. What do we have to learn from Jesus? How Jesus relates to the Father. Jesus is always resting in the Father. He's lying at the bosom of the Father. He says, just, just learn from me. Just, just let go. Just as I'm always letting go and letting the Father speak through me and work through me and I'm never really worried about the future, just look at me. Take my yoke upon me, upon you, and learn from me. And you will receive rest for your souls. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.